Welcome to Orioles on the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And on tonight's episode, we're going to get into the American League Rookie of the Year race and take a very, very early look at it because we've had some developments in the last couple of weeks that, in theory, could make it easier for the Orioles to have their second consecutive American League Rookie of the Year winner. That is because Yashinobu Yamamoto is not going to be playing in the American League. He is signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So the guy who's going to come in as the most hyped rookie of the 2024 MLB season will be playing in the National League. And that leaves behind an American League class that maybe doesn't have a name of that star power, but it's still fairly deep. And a lot of those players that are going to factor into that discussion could come from the Orioles farm system. Heston Kerstad looked good with the Orioles at the end of the 2023 campaign, but then a lot of guys that are on the cusp of the major leagues are already generating some hype, including Jackson Holiday and Kobe Mayo. You can't also forget the Orioles have a few under, other top 100 prospects in that mix, including Colton Cowser, Joey Ortiz, and Connor Norby. And as we're going to get into on tonight's episode, that top 100 prospect distinction is important because it can factor in whether or not the Orioles will get credited with an extra draft pick for a player playing the entire year in the major leagues and winning American League Rookie of the Year. But let's just start by looking at the race as a whole. And it seems like this is not, at first glance, as strong of a rookie class as we saw last year, when you had Gunnar Henderson and Josh Young, among some other players, battling it out for much of the season. But it is still a deep class. And Nick, I'll start with you here. The American League side of things for prospects this year. If we're going to go beyond Baltimore for a moment, who are some of the names you have your eyes on? Uh, let me scroll up to the American League. I had NL. I feel bad for the NL guys, uh, to be honest, because it's kind of ridiculous that Yamamoto is going to be eligible, and he probably doesn't have to like blow anybody away to win that award. And guys like Jackson Churio and Jordan Lawler and maybe Paul Skeens. I don't know what Pittsburgh's going to do. Uh, kind of get screwed this year, but. Um, AL, I don't have very many names, like to be completely honest. I'm not trying to be like Orioles Homer here, like there's nobody. Um, Evan Carter for Texas, he had the big World Series playoff run. I mean, maybe he's up there, he's a good candidate. Um, I had Oakland there. I mean, Oakland's going to give a lot of young guys, obviously, some time, but I think Mason Miller's probably their top prospect. But I think he's it's already been announced that he's probably going to be like the closer in Oakland or they want him to close. Um, Nolan, I uh, forget how to pronounce his shot. Is it Sean? Well, uh, yeah. LA, uh, which I still can't get over that. Like I remember draft night jokingly tweeting, like, congratulations. You're the first uh, draft class member to be promoted to the major leagues. And like three weeks later, the angels actually did it, uh, but he performed well. So like if his power starts to shine through. I think he's a, an option. So you got two. Other than that, like, I don't know. Kyle Manzardo, I like him in Cleveland organization. If he gets an opportunity, he's got the power to do it. Junior Caminero, obviously in Tampa Bay. But like, I don't really know like who else in the AL is like a threat. I don't know if I'm missing anybody else, but. White Langford, Texas um, oh, yeah. draft pick. I could see him. Ricky Tiedemann for the Blue Jays, I think, is a really good pitching prospect, but he's coming off injury, so I doubt he's really going to do enough to win. Junior Caminero, though, I I do love that kid. 
I think he's going to be pretty special. Um, but he's still incredibly young. So is he going to be able to put it all together when the Orioles themselves will have like three or four legitimate candidates on their own? So I think the Orioles got to stack the deck in their favor here and give themselves as many chances to win as possible. You know, they're just, they're so excited that Gunnar Henderson pulled it off. They get an extra basically first round draft pick for him winning AL rookie of the year in 2023. You know, they're just licking their chops saying we want to do this every year. We want this extra pick every year and maybe they could do it. But uh, yeah, let's see if they give themselves enough chances to do it. we got Colton Kowser, Heston Kersed, probably, most likely going to start on the opening day roster. Joey Ortiz, probably the next likely. And then it's between Kobe Mayo and, and our boy Jackson holiday. You know, are they going to do it? Are they going to push for that? So what do you guys think? Oh, I was real quickly. Uh, one more potential AL candidate. Uh, I don't think Orioles fans are going to like this, but I hope he's in the mix to be completely honest. Go back to Oakland's roster. If you pull up roster resource, he is currently listed as a starting shortstop and number nine hitter for Oakland. It is one Daryl Hernandez. Uh, I I'm just going to throw his name out there as a dark horse candidate. Uh, if I know the numbers, he was playing with the PCL had some insane numbers. Take them with a slight grain of salt, but this guy is also really, really, really good. Um, and if he's going to get a, I mean, there's no one on this roster worth much um, at all. Some of these guys I've never even heard of. Uh, to be honest, um, Hernay is going to have a wide open shot, and I wouldn't be surprised if his name's on this list too. Hey, I'm definitely getting a Dale Hernay's Oakland Athletics jersey, so I wouldn't be that mad about it. And also, the other Japanese pitcher, Imanaga, could sign with the Yankees or something at the Red Sox and, and be a dominant pitcher um, and pull that off as well. Just another candidate. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't rule out Hernandez. Yeah, the power numbers he showed in the minor leagues probably aren't going to come through in the majors year one because he plays in basically a canyon of a ballpark out there in Oakland. Impossible place to hit home runs. But if his defense has developed as much as it did in his last year with the Orioles and it's continued on that pace, he's going to add some value up the middle. So that's always going to help him. Um, looking specifically at the Orioles, um, to go back to what Bob was bringing up earlier, I find Heston Kerstad to be the wild card in the whole thing because would I be shocked if he led American League rookies in home runs? No, I wouldn't at all. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he's among the Orioles' leaders in home runs. But can he avoid the trap that Ryan Malcastle fell into back in 2021, which is you hit a lot of home runs, but Malcastle was really hampered that year by – a slow start at the plate. He was really bad for the first two months. And while he got better, he didn't get better in the way that Gunner did last year. And his defense in left field before the Orioles committed him to first base was really bad. And even his defense at first, which is now pretty solid, took a little bit of time to adjust. So if Kerstad is that frenzy defense corner outfielder who hits a lot of home runs, I don't know that's going to be enough for him to be a factor in the race unless this is a weak class. But I also wouldn't be shocked if he came out and won it because the overall offensive production exceeds expectations. Maybe he can be an average right fielder when he's out there. And it would be a great story if he won the award. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, coming back from 
myocarditis and missing two full seasons of uh, professional ball to come back get AFL MVP and then AL Rookie of the Year. That'd be that'd be great. You would imagine he could probably hit twenty to twenty five home runs if he gets five hundred plus plate appearances and mix between right field, first base, DH. I think you know depending on how the competition plays out, that could do it. But I don't know. Colton Kowser, I feel like. Orioles fans did not like his first stint in the majors. I doubt Colton Kowser did, but I think he's going to come in strong. He might not start out the season being like an everyday player, but if he's a strong side of a platoon in left field, maybe to begin the year, I feel like that bat is really going to make its mark. He's just got to get comfortable and confident at the plate and he can play all three outfield positions. So, you know, defense isn't going to hurt him. His numbers as far as rookie of the year go. And I think he could, Get on base at a 350 plus clip, steal 10 to 20 bases, hit 15 to 25 home runs, and maybe just do enough from a war perspective to uh, steal the award. Yeah, this is why I've been drafting a lot of Heston Kirstad, like t- last round Heston Kirstad in best ball. And I want to start mixing in some Colton Kowser uh, because of that reason alone. What if it does click for him uh, and he becomes this breakout player with the Orioles? It's also why I think like when looking at, we just looked, we just talked about projected minor league opening day rosters, right? And looking at Kobe Mayo and Jackson holiday and all these guys and how many of them begin in the major leagues. That's why I think Kerstad. Yeah. He, he might be, I don't want to, he's not a one trick pony. That's not the right, description that I want to use, but like you guys mentioned, the home runs are going to carry him. That's going to carry his profile throughout his major, his minor, his major league career. But yeah, it, he does have that storyline to go with it. So if he does hit 25 plus home runs, he's got the good story. Maybe he doesn't, they can hide him a little bit first base DH, or he doesn't play terrible defense out in right field, or they strategically put him out in left field at favorable ballparks when they're on the road. Maybe that helps them out. If Kowser is kind of the wild card there and he does have that breakout and he's in contention, that's even great as well. But I think if you bring up Jackson Holiday, even if he's not fully ready, but he's pretty darn close, and you could say we could keep him in the, in the minors for a month or two and then bring him up, I could see the Orioles saying, look, we're, we like you guys have mentioned, we want as many bullets as possible at this. So let's put Jackson Holiday on the major league roster. And you know what? If he struggles for the first month and has a gunner type season, even better because they're going to look at this and say top overall prospect in baseball. Gunner Henderson was that he struggled. Look how he rebounded and ended the year on a high note. If Jackson Holiday can do the same thing, he's running away with the AL Rookie of the Year award. So there you go. Um, and it's why I think for that reason, you're looking ahead too, not to look ahead to 2025, but why I hate to say this, but I could see them. I could see Kobe Mayo having a Gunnar Henderson type year in that he doesn't come up to the big leagues until they can keep him under that cap and maintain his rookie eligibility for 2025, knowing that Kobe Mayo has all the tools and ability to take home that award in 2025. So it's, I'm, I'm sure these are discussions and uh, factors into uh, go into play here with uh, the opening day roster in a couple of weeks. And you know he's going to get bonus points for being, oh, he's so young, oh, he's been the number one prospect, oh, he's Matt Holiday's son. There's so many extra levels to it. They could get him those little bonus points to win the award, and we know he's going to get on base. He's going to hit for average, and he's going to look like a 12-year-old doing it. So (laughs) why not? 
I'll put this one curveball into the mix. Um, what if Holiday ends up as a second baseman primarily? Do you think that that hurts his case unless he goes out and let's say hits 20, 25 homers and has a high OPS in the position? So I thought about, I was thinking about that earlier today, actually. And do we know who votes for this award? Baseball Writers uh, Association. Okay. I, it's maybe not ideal. Like if you got a center, a star studded center fielder, if you've got that shortstop playing premier defense and they're pulling up the defensive metrics, take them for what you will. And you know, the number, the offensive numbers are similar, but you've got the shortstop playing really good defense versus maybe Jackson holiday played all year at second base. Maybe that gets an edge, but like Bob said, I think he's the top overall prospect in baseball. He he's got his dad's name, dad's last name. Like he's got all this going for him. Number one overall draft pick with the high school, the record for signing bonus given to a high school kid. He's got all those extra factors going in. It's the Orioles. They just gave it to Gunnar Henderson last year. Hopefully the Orioles are also a, a good team again this year, a playoff team. If he's at second base, you know, if anything, maybe that allows his defense to play up a little bit. And, you know, he doesn't have to show off that extreme range at shortstop maybe he can have more highlight reel plays over there at second base and help improve his case. But I don't think it's really going to hurt him just because he's got that prospect status. Like if you're talking about like a Jordan Westberg or a Connor Norby, like, yeah, maybe that's still different, but I think Jackson Holiday is just kind of this different tier in terms of prospects. So I don't, I don't think it hurt him too much. Yeah, that's a good point. If defensively he's, you know, not quite ready at shortstop and you're able to stick him at second base, which I, I, if he's not majorly ready from day one, he he's pretty close to it. And I can see the kind of development curve playing out that we saw with Gunner at third and short last year, where it doesn't look that smooth in the beginning, but by the end of the year, he stands out as one of the best defenders in his position in the league. That could definitely help his case. So that's something that really keeping my eye on with Holiday. I want to shift and focus on Mayo for a minute, though. We know that that power is legitimate, um, and it's one reason why we've constantly batted back the questions of, you know, can he hit at Camden Yards? We know he can do that. But defensively, where do you think he would have to end up to be in the conversation? Probably you, you're going to want him at one position, um, which – as the roster is constructed right now, like where he doesn't have that one position, like he's not going to come in. Uh, let's say he just blows this team away in spring training. And the Orioles like, we need this bat in the lineup. Well, that's why he's been working out in right field. Like he's learning that. That's why he played a lot of first base last year at Bowie and in Norfolk, because when he does come up to the major leagues, if it's sooner rather than later, he's going to move around the diamond a little bit. I think it's just why I kind of think, Mayo doesn't come up for a while this year, not until the end of the year, to be honest. That's do I want that? No, I want him in this lineup as soon as possible. But thinking where the Orioles could go with this, I just think it makes a lot of sense from their end to say he's also still very young. How old is he? 21 still? Just turned 22 last month. So he just turned 22. And I know Jackson Holiday is younger, but again, like we just mentioned, Jackson Holiday's got the story. He's got this growth arc that he can go through and run away with the award. You delay Kobe Mayo to 2025, he can win this award as well. He'd probably be an early front runner for this award. Again, not looking at other teams and projecting other teams, potential candidates for next year. But 
they have plenty of reasons why they could say, look, Mayo's only 22. He's young. Yes, he had phenomenal numbers in AAA last year, but you know we've got Gunner, we've got Westberg, we've got Ortiz, we've got Norby in this. We've got even just looking at the major league roster, we've got uh, Ramon Arias, we've got Mateo, we've got so many options at the major league level right now. There's not room for him to get every day at bats, so we're going to keep him down in Norfolk. Uh, then you say, well, he's playing a lot of right field right now down there at Harbor Park. We want his outfield defense to progress. We want the footwork at third base to progress. They can nitpick little things, excuses to keep him down. And I think that's what they're going to end up doing. Uh, and then we see him up at the end of the year. He plays, but they keep him under the limit, just like they did with Gunnar Henderson. And that's kind of how the Kobe Mayo arc will go this year. That's how I envision it going in, at least. Before we shift mm-hmm. um, kind of back to the final part of this discussion, mm-hmm. which is going to be looking at the American League as a whole again, I got one guy in particular that I want to focus on. If we're talking about top 100 prospects, uh, you have to also include Joey Ortiz and Connor Norby in that conversation. With Ortiz, we know that the defense could add value. But if you look at both players individually, what do you think they would have to do to be in the conversation? Probably be traded to another team, honestly. I mean, Ortiz, I think there's room for him right now as the roster is on the major league roster as a utility type guy. I think that would be a great option to have him in, but I don't see this organization rolling out a lineup. That's got Kerstad and Cowser and Jackson holiday and Joey Ortiz or Connor Norby. Like they're going to want these veterans on the roster um, for much of the year. They're not going to roll. This is a team that wants to win a hundred plus games a year. They want to win the alias again. Like I said before, we've reached this point now where it's Super Bowl or bust. So I don't see them rolling out a lineup of majority prospects. So you're going to keep Ramon Arias and or Jorge Mateo probably for a little bit. I just don't see them getting enough playing time in the Orioles organization to make a serious run, even if this is a fairly weak class. Now, if one of them were to get traded uh, to another organization and they got a full-time shortstop or second base role, then that's a whole other story. Then I think they are especially Norby, I would say, because we know he's got the home run power, is a legitimate candidate that's going to be thrown into the mix as well. Yeah, to have you know, legitimate power coming from a second baseman who has gotten better defensively. Um, you know, We were talking a lot about Cesar Prieto last year around the trade deadline. Prieto would be an upgraded second base for maybe a third of the teams in the major leagues right now, I think Norby's in that boat. I think Norby would be an upgrade for a lot of teams at second base because of what his ceiling is offensively. And as for Ortiz, I started to think back to a very specific case we saw a couple years ago, which was Jeremy Pena in 2022, finished fifth in rookie of the year voting in what was a strong class. And as a reminder, Julio Rodriguez won the award that year followed in order by Adley Rutzman, Stephen Kwan, Bobby Witt Jr., then Pena, then George Kirby. Good class at the time that so far is looking pretty good across the board. Pena didn't have a great offensive season, but he had a good enough offensive season that when you added in what he did on defense, you got really good aggregate value. That's kind of the path I see for Ortiz. But the thing that made it easier for Pena to do that was Carlos Correa left and signed with the Twins that offseason. 
that left an opening for Pena to take the shortstop position at the major league level. Right now, that opening for Ortiz just isn't there at the major league level. So even if he makes the opening day roster, I think he's got to fight for playing time a lot early in the season. Yeah, but and even so, even if you exclude Ortiz and Norby and Mayo, like you still got three. Uh, I'm going to throw Jackson Holiday in there. You still got through the Orioles three legitimate options, and it's kind of absurd to have three potential options there to win this award. And it's, I don't want to say it's like a major focus of this organization. Like they're planning this. They've got a five-year plan of how to keep winning this thing. I think right now we're seeing a good run because all these prospects are starting to bubble up and they're not trading any of these prospects. I imagine at some point it's going to dry up a little bit, but for right now it's, it's just a lot of fun to follow because this team can win. They're winning a lot. And at the same time, these draft classes, they're just, for as long as they can, they're just going to continue to replenish this farm system. Is why when these trades do start happening, they've got three first round draft picks coming um, in what, six months, seven months. And so it's valuable. And even if, even if it's not just extra players, it's getting that extra bonus pool money where maybe they get super aggressive in the first round or they're able to get super aggressive in the later rounds and go after that unsignable high school kid with an enormous ceiling in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Like this is, it's got tremendous effects uh, for years to come, which is why I think uh, it's a lot of big decisions that are going to have to be made over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I completely agree. And shifting back to the American league and how the race is going to shape up when you look at other teams, It feels like Evan Carter's name is coming up a lot, and he may be in some ways the early favorite because unlike Wyatt Langford, the question of whether he's going to make the opening day roster is not a speculative one. We know Carter is going to be in the lineup every day for the Rangers last year, and he earned that with his performance not only in the regular season when he got up to the Rangers last year, but with his excellent run in the playoffs. He was a big reason why the Rangers were able to win the World Series. What I found interesting, though, is I had forgotten how good Carter was at the major league level when he came up last year, but it comes at a rate that seems a little unsustainable. 23 games, 75 plate appearances, five home runs with an OPS of 1058, an OPS plus of 182. All of this from a guy whose scouting reports have said, going back to when he was drafted, doesn't necessarily project for a lot of power. Solid all-around player, but not necessarily a power hitter. His minor league stats bear that out. They back up that report. Now, it is possible at 21 that Carter is coming to his own with power, but he's not going to hit it to clip that he did uh, in that little bit of time he had in the major leagues last year. So there's a a little bit of hype, I would say, right now surrounding him, but I don't know that when we're looking at this race six months from now that he's going to be a hands-down favorite to win it. He kind of is one of those guys that just was on fire at the right time on the national stage, kind of like Randy Rosarena. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to sustain the level that he was showing off in the playoffs or late, late in the season. I don't think he's got the power to really – hit like 20 plus home runs. I mean, he's super solid player. I like him a lot, but I'm not sure if he's going to be flashy enough for the course of a, of a full season to be the guy. 
Yeah, I'm sitting over here and listening to fantasy baseball talk yesterday, actually, and the discussion was, well, I'm going to draft Leody Tavares uh, to counteract the Evan Carter drafters because Evan Carter is being drafted so high already in fantasy baseball. Just wait and draft Leody Tavares to give you kind of similar production. And I was like, well, um, so to translate that's like real life here. And like you guys are talking about, yeah, maybe like I want all these young players to succeed. Like uh, baseball is better because of it. And, you know, if an Oriole doesn't win rookie of the year, but like Daryl Hernandez is a rookie of the year or it's Ricky Tiedemann who comes back from injury and says, screw your innings limit. I'm going to pitch this year and, and win the award. I think that's great for baseball. But the point is, yeah, like Evan Carter, like there's no, he's not going to be the cleanup hitter that just takes Texas, carries this Texas lineup again with Simeon and Seager and everybody and Dulles Garcia back. Like it, there's no runaway option at all in the American league, which is why I think this is a good year to just fire. If you can fire three bullets at it, like you're the Orioles, and just bull rush this thing uh, and take it down. And on the reverse side of that, you look at the NL and some of the names. I mean, uh, Ronnie Mauricio, Mauricio, unfortunately, I think is out for the year with his lead injury that he had. But like, you've got guys like Dylan Cruz. Forget Yamamoto for a second. You had guys like Dylan Cruz, Jackson Churio, Mason Wynn, Pete Crow Armstrong, Paul Skeens. I mean, these are guys, Jordan Lawler, these are guys that could make big noise you just don't have i don't think anything comparable as a group to that in the american league yeah i absolutely agree it kind of reminds me if we're looking at you know preseason expectations i kind of go back to the 2022 with that adley rutzman julio rodriguez bobby witt class we had had the conversation after rutzman got hurt in spring training we knew he was not gonna make the opening day roster that if adley was in the national league we would still feel good about his chances winning rookie of the year But in the American League, we didn't really feel like he was the favorite to win it anymore. And we didn't think he was going to win it. Um, Looking back on it now, I think that it's a testament to him that he got as close as he did. But I think that anyone in the National League would be facing a similar challenge this year where if one guy just misses a few weeks with an injury or just has a bad three-week stretch or a bad month at the plate or on the mound, that race is so competitive, it's just going to change the course of it. Yeah, and to throw a tiniest bit of cold water on Yamamoto, I mean he's he's got to get used to pitching what on the more than just a one day a week schedule, and who knows the could be some small adjustments. Maybe he's a little more homer prone when he comes over to the majors. Maybe there's just a blip. Maybe there's a minor injury at some point, and he misses a month or a few weeks. Uh, so yeah, with a, a field that talented, I wouldn't completely rule out a uh, non-Yamamoto win, but he's certainly got to be the betting favorite. Should we let Bob answer the question about, uh, so what does Joey Ortiz have to do to win this award? You missed that part of the conversation. Here's your chance. To- <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> he's just got to play. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. If he gets 500 plate appearances, uh, I actually think it might not be great if he got enough plate appearances because it might mean an injury to like a Gunnar Henderson or something like that. But, yeah. you know, if he can, he hits the ball hard enough, he plays good enough defense. If he can just lift the ball, be a little more selective, he could be a 30 home run shortstop. <laughs> I'm going to keep dreaming and tell that to anybody that has a starting pitcher we want to acquire too. How long is um, talking about the rest of the AL? How long is what's Jason Dominguez's status? 
in New York? Do we know? I think he's rookie eligible, but he's hurt or something happened with the shoulder, maybe. Yeah, I was wondering how long he was going to be out. And like, is do we just overlook him? Is or is he going to miss too much time? That I don't know. I'm trying yeah. to do quick. MLB.com had Everson Pajera as their main guy. Yeah, Dominguez is a guy that I think I just overlooked there as well. But I don't know if he's going to be healthy enough to be in consideration if he returns this year. I don't know what his exact injury was, but yeah, still nobody. Um, still nobody. Like that's again going to run away with this thing on the AL side. And there could be someone too. That's going to be the, the fun part of this. Two months into the year, who's that surprise guy that we have no idea? We weren't anticipating at all that popped in spring and, you know, they throw him on the Tigers roster or Cleveland's roster and that he's chased a lauder. Maybe I don't know. I'll be mad at that. Um, who's that guy that, that just pops out of nowhere and is like, okay, that's the guy we're all chasing now. But Cole Keith. That's a good the one. Tigers. Yeah. Yeah, there's absolutely there's always that kind of player. Dominguez, by the way, recovering from Tommy John surgery. Um, we don't have an exact timeline on when he's going to be back. You would think that the earlier Dominguez is back in the lineup for New York, the better it is for his case. He looks pretty good over that limited run in the major leagues. So I don't even want to say have the added benefit because I think that that's overstated sometimes. But he will be a Yankee, and if the Yankees play well there will be attention paid to what Dominguez does for better or worse. All it does not help do, players win the award. I stand by that, but it is something that's going to be talked about. All you have to do is look at his first boom in auto sales <laughs> from a few years ago where they were going for astronomical prices and he was not even like a top 50 prospect at that time. So yeah, I definitely think if the Martian is uh, healthy and performing, he's going to get a boost as well. Whatever. All right, I'll so take Jackson I'll... Holiday any day of the week over the Martian. Oh, did but... we make a case for Kobe Mayo while I was gone? Yes, we did. But if you want to add to it, go ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if he starts the year on the opening day roster and splits time between third base, right field, first base, and DH, I think 30-plus home runs is in the picture. And the way he performed in A the second and third months of the season, that was a weird way to say May and June. And then that last month in AAA when he adjusted, that's the thing with these young kids over the offseason. Guys like Holiday, Mayo, I'm trying to think of another super young guy, Basayo. Like these guys, it's scary how much they could improve over the few months in the offseason when they are just focused on getting stronger and subtle changes that have time to take hold over the course of an entire offseason. Kobe Mayo could come in and just be Austin Riley from Jump in uh in 2024 and yeah i think a guy that can play multiple positions and hit 30 plus home runs in the major leagues is probably going to be in contention for rookie of the year yeah i agree and i know not to fully repeat everything i said when, when you were out but basically saying like he's young i know jackson holly is a different case we kind of mentioned why but like he's young he's just now learning to play right field in games. I imagine when Norfolk starts, like they can nitpick a lot of different things to keep him down until the end of the year. But another thing too, why I would think someone's going to stay down for much of the year, unless there is that unfortunate injury, or maybe there's just some wild trades over the next couple of weeks, who knows? But as is, I almost, someone's 
between Holiday and Kobe Mayo, one of them is going to stay down because, like, like I mentioned, the Orioles are going to want bullets every single year for as long as they can because of the that whole thing. You know, get that extra signing bonus. You can get the high price, the unsignable high school kid later in the draft. You can be super aggressive in the first round. It's I think they're going to want to try to save these bullets. Unfortunately, it's it it sucks because you know, you get to know some of these guys. You talk to these guys, and they're frustrated. They're mad. They want to be in the majors. They know they deserve to be in the majors. And this new rule and all these incentives has definitely made it more fun from a league-wide perspective, getting more young talents in the majors earlier. Uh, it's it's made baseball so much more fun to watch. But at the same time, you know teams like the Orioles who are stockpiling this talent, It's it's got to cause some frustration for some of these guys that are going to get held back. And like, you're our, you're our ticket next year, so you got to wait, unfortunately. Yeah, but they might want to just use all their bullets this year because next year's Samuel Pesayo's already got it wrapped up. So <laughs> no no need to true. save anyone. True, true. Well, on that note, I think we'll wrap here. If our listeners should I'm not gonna say bet, I don't want to be responsible for someone's bet. <laughs> but if they're gonna take a guess of which Oriole would win American League Rookie of the Year in 2024, who should they guess? Colton Kowser, I think the odds are going to be the best on him. And I think he's got just as good, if not slightly worse, than a Holiday or a Kerstad type. But I just feel like he could do it. And for the odds, if you're going to pick an Oriole, you might as well go for a little extra money. But, yeah, I'm not yeah. <laughs> responsible for anything. Yeah, that was my going to be my exact answer. If I'm if I'm betting, which I'm not on this, uh, and please do not do it uh, because I'm telling, putting this out there as a suggestion, not sound financial advice. Um, I would put my money on Colton Kowser because it's going to pay off pretty well. But I'm I'm going to take the easy option. The option I would not put money on is Jackson Holiday because I think he's going to be the heavy favorite. I'm just convinced he's on the opening day roster. I'm convinced he does struggle. And you don't see a lot of home runs at the beginning of the year, but that power starts to unlock as the year progresses. He settles in. He finds his home at second base. He, the game isn't too fast or too big for him for very long, and this kid takes off, and we finally see exactly what so many people have been praising him about all these years. We finally see it in the major leagues. I, I'm, It's the number one thing I'm most excited for next year, to see just how good Jackson Holiday can be in the major leagues already at 19, 20 years old. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick. And one thing that I'll throw out there is that so far in this offseason, the Orioles haven't been really uh, aggressive on the position player side of things, which is not surprising. This is a good core coming back. But in the last few offseasons, we've seen them go out and get the left-handed hitting second baseman. They can move around a little bit. It was Adam Frazier last year, Rugnet Odor the year before that. This year, not hearing a word about the Orioles doing that. Um, and they're, for all the talk of the Orioles stockpiling left-handed hitters, which they have to a certain extent, they don't really have an up-the-middle infielder who hits from the left side right now. Uh, right now, your projected infield for left-handed hitters, Gunnar Henderson would play shortstop, obviously. But then you have Ryan O'Hearn, that mix, who's going to be at first base. Gunnar's not going to play second. Where does that leave a hole? That's a, the right spot for Jackson Holiday. It's a very limited spot. And it doesn't guarantee he's going to be on the opening day roster. But I think that there's a chance the Orioles are at least keeping that one spot there 
in case he comes into camp and just blows away the competition. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, you definitely haven't seen us linked to any infielders. That's for sure. And Jordan Westberg's going to be there. Joey Ortiz is a potential, but they're right-handed hitters. And yeah, Jackson Holiday, whether it's right away or soon after, you might you might as well do it right away at that point because then you're eligible for the pick. So if they think he's even going to be ready May 1st, you might as well just toss him on there. Unless is, you just want to get that extra year. That's yeah, tough to weigh yeah. between those two. Yeah. Is D.L. Hall eligible? No. Or did he exceed? No. He okay. exceeded. So he's in that weird oh, sure. gray area where he's still eligible for some prospect list, but That's not right. eligible yeah. for rookie of the year. Okay. Never mind. That would have Baseball been a good America. choice, though. Baseball America messed with me. They got Kyle Stowers as a prospect for like 19 years already, so it's they throw me off all the time. Keegan Aiken, I think, is still a prospect for Baseball America. <laughs> Hunter Harvey still might be a prospect with whatever organization he's with right now, to be honest. All I know is this. I can't wait until someday in late April after Jackson Holiday goes over for four and has a day off the next day to see the Civil War on Orioles X or whatever platform people are arguing on about whether or not Jackson Holiday should be sent to Norfolk and not be brought back up for the rest of the year or how dare Brandon Hyde not give him playing time. He's punting today. We're going to lose, and then everyone goes silent when the Orioles score 12 runs in a victory. So I'll just go ahead and throw that I was just getting now. excited for the season. Great. <laughs> Opening day is right around the corner, and you're not going to want to miss all the Orioles' social media arguments. Oh, who's going to get the worst Orioles take of 2024? <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. And at that note, we'll uh, wrap up this episode. We will be back next week. In the meantime, you can check us out on X, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and TikTok. We're also over at Substack, Orioles.substack.com. Bob's projected rosters for the Orioles for a full season minor league affiliates as well as the Florida Complex League are up there now for everyone. If you like what you see and you want to subscribe, we will have a $5 subscription option available so that you get every article delivered to your inbox the day it is published. And while you're browsing around the internet, head over to Patreon and sign up to join our community. We're about to roll out our top 50 prospect updates. You're not going to want to miss that. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, you've been, and for Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spedden. You've been listening to Orioles on the Birds, part of the Believe Podcast Network. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.